0: Welcome to the summer series of Culture Factor. I'm Holly Shannon. When I spoke at this year's NFT NYC, I used my downtime to interview the experts about their engagement in the Web3 space. We've talked on Culture Factor a lot about what Web3 is and how it's being used, but I wanted to try and understand why. Almost every person I spoke to had a similar reason for being part of Web3 they all wanted to help fulfill our most basic, fundamental, evolutionary need, connection. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to explore the methods that artists, collectors, and businesses use to bring about connection. I'll break down the whys, not just the whats, of this new digital space we find ourselves in. Hello, Culture Factor family. Welcome back to the Summer Series. Trust is arguably the most important part of the Web3 space. Nothing would function without it. Even the most basic parts of Web3, such as NFTs and the blockchain, couldn't exist without trust. Let me break that down. Blockchain primarily functions in the cryptocurrency space. While the use of dollars is being integrated, it's still seen to the public as dabbling in crypto or Bitcoin, The concept of cryptocurrency needs to be adopted and a belief system or trust needs to be established for it to survive. That said, the blockchain technology probably could survive as a mode of contract between two people or entities and proof of ownership or authenticity or provenance, however you care to call it. And in this space, that term is used interchangeably. But at the core, the blockchain is a ledger that codifies the transaction between two people or you and a business, for example. NFTs play the part of asset. You buy those shoes using the NFT or you buy music or a ticket in NFT form and it proves you own it and it's marked on the blockchain for perpetuity. For a deeper dive on that, episode 85 and 86 uh, that I did with Brian Fanzo from NFT365 were a great primer for this conversation. So if you feel like that's just a little confusing, please dive back into that. But let's move forward right now and listen to Zevi, who I believe his passion will drive his trust in this system.
1: I've been uh, involved in cryptocurrency since 2015. I wasn't sure early on how the use of the smart contract would come to play, but I'm very passionate about my art and I'm passionate about the technology. Um, And it, it made sense to me. It made sense to me because the technology serves as the provenance and certificate of authenticity. And the artwork is here for the future. Um, and to have that documentation just seemed uh, perfect. And um, that's what pushed me into this PFP collection.
0: Zevi has an inspired collection of childlike characters from his 456 lamb. These PFPs or profile pictures purchased as NFTs are relatable and have messaging in the imagery. His underprivileged background pushed him to inspire and spread positive messaging, his hopes of kindness being transmitted through his work, and then people taking that one step further and sharing an act of kindness is meaningful for him. Also, he said, the technology serves as a certificate of authenticity. NFTs mean nothing without proof of authenticity. Otherwise, they'd just be totally replicatable digital art that anyone could own or just take a screenshot. If what Zevi says is true, that the technology itself is the certificate of authenticity for NFTs, then people have to trust the technology for the system to work. And I get that that might be a bit of a stretch, but hear me out. A lot of people who purchase or collect NFTs, and even many who create NFTs, may not know all the ins and outs of the technology. As we've heard in previous episodes, there are a lot of platforms whose goal is to straighten out the learning curve for people so they can participate without spending months learning how to code or how all these complicated systems work, which is great. People are working hard to keep this space inclusive for anyone who wants to participate. I believe there is a dynamic happening between purchasing the NFT, utility, and possibly a roadmap. We have heard great examples before. My 100th episode with the Antara movie producer is one such example. In short, you buy the NFT, and the roadmap includes an unlock of various utilities, like the ability to vote on casting, or site selection, or starring as an extra in the movie. So when you buy that NFT, you're engaging in the trust that all that comes to fruition. Bottom line, they have to trust the creator of the NFT. I wanna repeat that. Bottom line, they have to trust the creator of the NFT. Utility is nothing without trust. Collectors have to trust that the creators will come through with their promises. You have to trust that the utility implanted in the code and dreamed up by the creator will, in fact, live up to its promises. But what if the utility is supposed to unfold over time? What if it's more of a long-term or even a repeated benefit? You have to trust that, even as trends and businesses come and go. The utility you paid for will come through. So this brings us to the next subject. This is where brand loyalty comes into play. The individual creator might be able to skirt some utility promises or divert their community to a value that they wish to shift to. But brands have a difficult line to walk in this case. Nothing tarnishes the shine on a brand more than a promise unfulfilled. But let's say brands are getting some things right and that the interaction through NFT has created an extended relationship, and perhaps one that their consumers can share. Let's listen in to Steph Holm of Moonwalk. Her example is interesting because it's a brand that marketed in Web 2 and is now integrating the power of Web 3. They already established trust, so their use of new tools like NFTs will likely be a home run.
2: Like a good example would be Coca-Cola and Coca-Cola has a wallet that you access from wallet.coca-cola.com. You know, my mom and I both drink Coca-Cola. She's more of a Coke Zero gal. I'm a bit more Diet Coke side, but we both are loyal to that brand and we know that we can earn tokens for that loyalty, for taking various actions. And they're doing that through NFTs and a token. So we go to wallet.coke.com, we sign in with our email, we know how to do that, we upload our credit card, we buy an NFT, even though my mom doesn't know what an NFT even stands for, she knows that every month because I own this NFT, I'm gonna get a delivery of Coke. And then I, being more Web3 savvy, I have a MetaMask. I can connect it on my profile page and export that NFT to my MetaMask, and then I can sell it on OpenSea because maybe someone else wants to buy it. Or maybe I go on a little uh, soda drinking hiatus, and so someone can buy it from me there.
0: Steph's example is a really interesting intersection between brand loyalty and trust and utility. Big brands that are branching into Web3 usually already have that trust from their consumer base, which is required for utility. Brand loyalty also has a part in the evolution of the web. consumer base loyalty to specific brand names is totally a Web1, Web2 thing that is finding its way to Web3. And as big brands bring their customers with them, pre-existing trust between a brand and a consumer has the potential to bring new users into Web3. And that's what we're all betting on.
2: Brands want to be innovative. They want to sort of help usher in new technology to to their communities, their fans, their audience because they are trusted by them. So we think that Web3 is a great place to do that in a way that is also sort of familiar and sort of new. The way that we work with our white label wallet for brands is your community comes in they sign up with an email it's familiar they can buy nfts with a credit card which for some people making credit card purchases might be all too familiar online but really we think of this nfts and rewards and you know earning tokens as a sort of new form of loyalty based in web3 and that will evolve into a part of the marketing campaign and marketing mix so you're creating content not just for you know, your Instagram or your TikTok or your socials, but you're also creating content that lives in your wallet where your fans can come in and earn for taking actions on those social sites. And they can use those tokens to get NFTs and they can collect them or that NFT utility can also be realized in the wallet and they can unlock in-person events or virtual hangs or exclusive access to merch, those types of things.
0: I believe trust plays a part in brand extension, brand ambassadors, the growth of influence, and some very creative activations. It'll also play a part in exclusive opportunities, merchandise, and so on. A lot of what Steph had mentioned. But as utility becomes more and more common in the NFT market, artists are being asked to include utility with their personal NFT collections as well. Some artists hate this and some don't mind, but that is a completely different conversation that we will have to get into in another episode. So for now, it's important to recognize this simple fact. Utility is a part of the NFT market for both big brands and individual artists. Artists being the creatives that they are have come up with some really ingenious ways of including utility in their NFTs if they choose to involve utility at all. Some artists offer a physical copy of the digital art. This term, fidgetal, refers to the physical copy of the digital NFT. Sometimes this offer of both is called twinning. It is best exemplified by Zevi. So let's listen up next to him as I pass the mic.
1: So this is uh, our project, and I guess that's why I'm making those uh, correlations with physical work and with uh, the digital work. So when I say it's artwork, obviously uh, NFT alone could be digital artwork, but um, the 456 Collectors Club is the first PFP project to connect the physical and the digital art. And how uh, we go about it is every single NFT minted the holder is able to redeem for a physical art print, a fine art print of their exact NFT. So it's a one of one print that's hand signed with your mint number. And then, uh, The sculptures are in production, but every single holder is able to redeem for a sculpture as well. So when buying into the 456 Collectors Club, it's not just the digital asset that you're buying. The digital asset is one-third of the total artwork.
0: So Zevi demonstrates the fidgetal with his collection. It's also important to him as an artist to not just have a digital representation in someone's wallet or being used as their profile picture on their social media account. He wants them to have the full experience. Zevi's PFP collection would not really work without trust between him and collectors. Buyers have to trust that they'll actually receive the physical prints and sculptures. They have to trust that they are authentic and that the pieces are indeed all part of the same set. Now play along with me here for a second. Picture yourself walking around an art gallery or museum. Ask yourself, what do I inherently trust is true based on what I see just by walking around? Here's my answer. I trust that the art is valuable meaningful, and worth money, that for one reason or another, it is important to see that the curation was purposeful, that there's an intention here, maybe even a message in each of the pieces, as well as in the curation itself. And that is up to me to decipher it. Putting art in the framework of a gallery or museum, no pun intended, naturally makes me believe these things because of the functions of galleries and museums in our world. Now, go back to your imagined gallery and replace all the paintings with digital art because that's what Tori Madison did. So... In the episode on user experience, we heard from Tori. She told us about her work as a curator in a physical digital NFT gallery. And I'm going to ask you to make the mental leap here. This is also a conversation about the metaverse because there are imagined galleries in that space. But what's so interesting with Tori is that she created something physical as well as digital so that your mind can make that mental leap in what it believes a museum or a gallery is and what value it brings to the art. So it's a digital
3: gallery. It's a, it's a physical space that you can actually go and enter. It's a physical space. And um, it is the first location in all of Tulum that actually has a Bitcoin ATM. And so there's a Bitcoin ATM there, and it's a physical location. So if you ever ever visit, it's the, the main road to the beach. <laughs> You can come by and it's just called the NFT boutique. And that's where we're, uh, physically representing all of our digital,
0: digital NFT collections. It's just a showcase of them. I am totally fascinated by this space and I'm hopeful that we all make it to Tulum one day to experience this. So if you get there, please report back to culture factor now in context to our conversation, Putting digital art in a physical gallery asks viewers for the same kind of trust in digital art as they have in physical art. In fact, it might even be easier to have that kind of trust in digital art when it is in a physical space because it's in a setting we are already familiar with. Recall our last episode on the role of design in the evolution of the web and how developers use certain familiar aspects of web two for web three outcomes. This gallery is doing the same thing. The gallery designs a version of something you already know and are familiar with and places something new in that familiar framework. As a result, trust between the consumer and the art is strengthened. Think even further back to the first episode of this season on user experience. This gallery is an evolution of user experience too. It takes an experience you already know and understand and evolves it to fit web three.
4: I believe my art constantly evolves. I mean, just today I was painting with acrylic paint. So I'm at a paint party and like, I will never stop painting and doing glass blowing and doing um, sculpture. In fact, I, I'm the first uh, female glassblower on the blockchain. Um, I last NFT NYC, I uh, minted my first uh, glassblown artwork and it comes as the unlockable. Um, So the collector can actually request the actual glass sculpture. And uh, yeah, I sold that last year during NFT NYC and I'm planning on releasing another one. Speaking
0: with creatress made me wonder if a piece of art is fidgetal Is it more valuable than if it were just physical or just digital? And on a larger scale, is it possible that Web 2 and Web 3 make each other more valuable? These are really important questions and I'd love to just sit in this space and talk only about that. But I'd be remiss if I don't dive into a little piece about community. Um, So let me jump forward a little. I'll ask you to put a pin in that. Um, While artists have to be very trustworthy when it comes to Web3, they also have to trust their community. Tori made an interesting point here. So let's listen into that.
3: I mean, at first it was just the art. And now it's the roadmap, and now it's the utility, and now it's all these extra added things to you know what makes your digital art better than the others, and why should I join, and why should I join your community, and your community has x amount of people and followers, and so it's just like, yeah, and so it's just like it, it's it's interesting. So there's some that I think are just amazing and really cool. It's just like heck yes, I want to be part of this, and then but I can also see the perspective that for artists that it could be quite overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I feel the space in general is quite overwhelming. I mean, we spent the week here in New York city. It's been absolutely crazy. We're meeting so many people that are just doing amazing things and it's just, it's overwhelming. I'm not going to lie. And so, (laughs) and so we're just navigating, you know, we're navigating best practices. What does this look like? And so in a way for me, it's just, it's exciting and it keeps me moving forward and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to figure it out and we're going to figure out what works, what doesn't work. And it's, it's a cool time to
0: be in a space, and it's been super fun. So now I'm going to share uh, a famous acronym, so famous, it's just Web3 space right now. It's called WAGME, and it stands for We Are All Going to Make It. I think Tori emits that energy, right? Creatress, who is a physical artist but is now creating VR uh, art in the metaverse and in galleries all over live She does live activations. I think she has a lot of the wag me energy as well. Let's listen in I've never even thought that I'd be able to you know
4: Sell my glass art or even continue to, to work in it since it's a very expensive medium I mean studio time is about $100 per hour just to go in there and make anything so the the fact that you know that there's collectors that are interested in that as a as an art form because it's so different it's not a 3D sculpture it's not you know um a pfp you know it's totally different but just realizing that there actually is a market for it is pretty pretty incredible and it makes me excited because now i can actually continue to do glass blowing and
0: there's there's a way for me to uh, put that out into the world There is a beautiful opportunity for symbiosis between artists and collectors if they both trust each other. If artists trust that there are collectors who want their work, that means they get to make more of their work without fear and get paid to do it. If collectors trust the artists, collecting becomes more appealing because they know the NFTs they buy are valuable. And hopefully this mutual trust results in community. Right when I launched my first collection called Doso, that's when I realized like this is great because uh, not a lot of artists sell their work and uh, me personally, I was selling paintings before and for me to sell digital art online and that holds value just blows my mind, right? like It just gives so many opportunities for so many different people, photographers, artists and game developers and stuff like that. So I really appreciate the space.
1: It's indescribable. I mean, it's literally my childhood dreams. I've always just wanted to be an artist, and I somehow got caught up in the commercial photography space, which I did for 15 years, but it was never my passion. So now to make art and for collectors to collect it, I mean, it's just like just like some kids wanted to be an astronaut. Some kids wanted to be in the NFL. Like I just wanted to make art and sell it. And so, um, yeah, for people to buy that just means everything.
0: Trust benefits everyone in this space, but that means that everyone involved needs to be trustworthy. The communities they build will flesh out the real artists with good intentions from the bad actors. So I'm feeling positive about artists like Jovi, Creatress, and Jeremy. Also, Jeremy Cowart will be the feature artist tomorrow, so be sure to tune in for that short but impactful conversation. There are probably more questions than answers this early in the game. I'd love for you to respond to any of the concepts we unpacked. So let me ask you a few questions. Have you had a collector artist experience that was difficult to deliver on in the web three design? Remember that pin from earlier? Do you think there is more value value to a digital piece? And lastly, And this is the big one in my opinion. Do you think Web 2 and Web 3 combined make each other more valuable? Let me know. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Wherever you leave a message, I look forward to engaging with you. Hey, Culture Factor family. I have been enjoying rosé over this very hot summer, and Harmony Wine has been my newest addiction. My friend Matt Harmon has not only created this delicious rosé from Provence, but it has these beautiful notes of strawberry and floral, and it's dry and super yummy. And he put it in the prettiest of cans that you can take to your picnic or a barbecue. Matt and I agree that the best rosé comes from the south of France. That's probably why we're friends. And he is going to be giving you, my Culture Factor family, 20% off. Your Harmony Wine link is in the show notes. This summer is coming in hot. Please share this episode of Culture Factor now and listen with your friends. It's always more fun that way. And don't forget the Harmony Wine Rosé. Season 4 of Culture Factor is produced by Pale Blue Studios.